Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, my name is Jonna, and I play football for Chelsea FC and for the Swedish national team. And you are listening to the Blue Day podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, the creator, the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence, and joining me this week is a familiar face to the podcast to discuss everything going on with Chelsea. It's Harry Harris. Harry, welcome back to the show. My pleasure, yes. (laughs) Very interesting times, obviously. That's why you got me back, I can imagine. Yes, I think there's only one place to start, really, and with what's going on. And the the last show I did, we, we got a fans more of a fans perspective on this particular episode. It's all about obviously with your views, both as a journalist and someone who has uh, sort of been there and done that with Chelsea, with certain individuals that we've discussed. Pretty much, I think it was this time last year we actually did our first recorded. So, Please. sort of the. The few things I just wanted to sort of get to you, Harry, if I can. Obviously, you're sort of an outsider looking in, but what was your initial reaction to the news when Roman got sanctioned and the fact that Chelsea were going to get these issues coming out of the club now? Well, it, it pretty well clear from what um, was, was emanating from Parliament, not necessarily from the government, week week back, when it was pretty well clear that um, Abramovich was in, in their sights for sanctioning. It was going to be pretty difficult to avoid it. Um, and um, it, the inevitable occurred, but even so, it was pretty much, much of a shock uh, to an awful lot of people. Um, uh, it was interesting that um, yesterday, uh, Sunday, when they played their, their game at home, uh, they still had that banner up on, on, on the uh, on the stand, um, and it was it was interesting when I was watching it through the BBC feed. But um, obviously, you couldn't, couldn't buy a program. But there was the, the the vendors there were selling all books and past programs, and up popped my old Bramovich diary of the season book. The little strip said signed by me, fifteen pound. I thought, well, there you go. So I'm making some money out of that. Anyway. But um, as you know, I did two books. One, one called Chelsky. Um, which was the uh, inside track about how the, the club was bought and sold. Uh, and it was fascinating 
to hear Ken Bates pipe up with a comment which said, uh, Vladimir Putin must be shaking in his boots that they can't sell the programme of Stanford Bridge to their fans. I did, I did see that pop up on the Daily Mail website. And uh, yeah, that, that did give a smile to me face because if, it was funny you mentioned that, that there was a lot of, a bit of a, an outcry when people were at the game yesterday and they couldn't get a programme. But the clubs did have programmes, but they were only selling them to people that stayed in the hotels and the corporate seats. And there was a lot of people when they, a lot of normal fans that are in the Matthew Harding lower or the shed lower, they got a little bit upset about it. They got a little bit angry that, you know, for years they've been buying programmes and all of a sudden with what's going on, they did have programmes, but then they were sort of going to corporate so well i would imagine um i would imagine though keith that they were being given to the corporates as part of their package so I've been oh yes time. no they didn't pay for them no, no they, they were I've been, I've been in those corporate sections before many times mm-hmm. i was once a guest of samson when samson sponsored the team and had the box next to abramovich and he was most peeved because we were having such a good time we were the last people to leave we were, and uh, we'd had quite a bit to drink, and of course he doesn't drink. Um, and uh, when we actually passed his box, I, I did catch sight of him with his arms folded, looking very disdainfully down at us, uh, staggering past his box. <laughs> but, you know, of course, we're having a good laugh about it, but it's not a laughing matter. You know, it, what's happening in, in Ukraine is, far, is, is, um, uh, is anything but uh, something to, to laugh about. Um, and... Um, Clearly, you're asking me from a journalistic perspective, my, my view about what's going on. And I think um, this certainly the media uh, have their knives out for Abramovich. And he's clearly um, with good reason to, you know, he's an easy target. He, he has had links with Putin. But, you know, it's like saying that uh, anyone who had links with uh, Gordon, uh, with um, uh, Blair in his time when he he invaded uh, certain countries that he shouldn't have done. Now, you know, with arms of mass, mass destruction and that never existed. Um, and he should be, uh, you know, indicted for war crimes. You know, people who were um, uh, sponsoring and, and um, paying money into the, the Labour Party at that time, uh, should they be held to account? Mm. You know, I think, it, I think it's... Um, there's a touch of hypocrisy there, of course, but, you know, you, one can't deny it, that um, it, 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 um, it, it hits Putin hard when, when his favoured elite are sanctioned in this way, and indeed Putin himself is sanctioned. So um, that there is nearly no defence for the indefensible. Was this always going to happen to Roman in terms of people wanting to know where he got his money from or in regards to when he bought Chelsea because for years there's been sort of rumours and myths about you know Labour government for example wanting to know exactly where Roman got his fortune from or how he's pumping money into Chelsea do you know from sort of from your journalistic background that people were looking at Roman even years ago in regards to this guy we've never heard from before. He doesn't speak to the English media. You know, what is he legit? Is his money legit? Has this always sort of been like a, a myth that's surrounded him in terms of people looking to, as you say, get the knives out and 
find out whether his money is legit or not? Well, you know, um, the, the, the money trail, you know, uh, money laundering and, and how, how all these funds are, are stashed away in offshore accounts, um, where they come from and where they're going is almost impossible to detect. But it's pretty well clear that um, he, he benefited from his association with Putin, as did many, many other um, people of his ilk. And um, uh, acquired enormous wealth as a consequence. Um, and it's also clear that Putin called in favours when he needed to. You know, uh, Abramovich bankrolled um, uh, the Russian coach for the World Cup. Uh, and Shalotti was paid directly by, by um, Abramovich. Um, when it came to um, renovating some of the stadium for the World Cup, Abramovich put his hand in his pocket again. Now, you could say, was he forced to by Putin? Or if he was asked to by Russia, his, his, his homeland, to help with the World Cup, being such a, a great football person as, as he's been proven to be, would he have probably not done that voluntarily? And then a little is made of the fact that, you know, during the pandemic, um, the, the Stanford Bridge Hotel was given to all the nurses free of charge. Um, and how much he's donated um, uh, without any uh, desire for the publicity or, or, or need for it. Um, so uh, that seems to have got lost in translation, um, as I said, with the media really uh, pointing their finger at him, and quite rightly so, and, and, and investigating th those links that you asked me about. So, uh, But again, I go back to that phrase, there's no defence for the indefensible. You know, you can't... You can't whitewash what's going on and the consequences of it. Um, but you have to feel sorry for Chelsea supporters who, who are suffering as a consequence. And, and they have no right to suffer. It's not their fault. Well, that leads me quite nicely to my next question in regards to the sanctions that the club are now under at the moment. Do you feel that that's fair? Or do you believe that, you know, hopefully with the FA having some negotiations with Chelsea and the Premier League that some of the sanctions can be lifted or perhaps altered so that Chelsea can actually run properly as a football club in terms of the finances and in terms of players being paid? Well, there's two answers to that. First of all, um, uh, you know, the government have little uh, passion or feel or empathy with, with the national sport. They, they don't get it, but they did get the fact that they had to have um, the sanctioning of the football club on a, on a special license. They couldn't have just shut it down. Um, you know, you'd have been talking about tens of hundreds of thousands of, of, of um, voters because, um, you know, yeah, Chelsea have a billion fans around the world. But in this country, it's not just the people who go to the game. There's a lot of people who follow Chelsea and support Chelsea and would have found that hard to stomach by just shutting the football club down and ruining this football season. But they don't, so they, they have issued a licence, so they, they have had some intelligence into the fact that they can't just shut down a football club like Chelsea. Um, but I don't think that licence goes far enough, anywhere far enough. It, it, it is a licence set out by people that just don't have any empathy with, with football. They just don't get it. And, no, you can't just say you can't, um, sell programs to the fans. I mean, it's just nonsense. No one's no one's going to understand that because 
you've 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 sanctioned the football club, so no money can come in or out. There's no bank accounts. So, how, where does the money go? I mean, anyway, that's it, it is a, an equation which is difficult to get to grips with, but no one has tried to, and I'm sure there'd be a, a solution. If there's a problem, there's always a solution. But the second part of it is, of course, the sale will be fast tracked, and in my my view, I think Candy will be buying the football club by the end of the week. He's already made noises about um, uh, financially propping it up, whether or not he can, but he, that licence would need to be extended for him to do that. In other words, if, if it goes on too far, the, the purchase of the club, he's prepared to pay the, the, the £28 million wages uh, for April uh, and he'd foot the bill if, if they need to go um, easy jet to uh, Italy for the Champions League. You know, it's... <laughs> um, uh, I, I like Tuchel's um, point that he'd even drive the bus to it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, but that shows the nonsense of, of the fact that the licence needs to be extended. So we'll talk about Candy in a minute, but when you sort of talk about the restrictions and the licence, even to sort of close the shop down, I understand it to a point because it's about money being pumped into the club through new transaction. But when you've got employees at the club that are now worried about their futures and these are on modest wages. They've got mortgages to pay. They've got families to feed and this is happening to them. This isn't no fault to their own. This is no fault of Chelsea football club, albeit the owners tires and links. Is there going to become a point where, as you say, Chelsea, there is going to have to be a quick sell. Or do you think that it would be best for Chelsea to have the right owner rather than the first owner that puts his hand up. And I say that with all due respect to the bidders out there, but you've got perhaps some of them that want to make a quick buck out of buying Chelsea, or you've got ones that sort of would like to buy the club in order to enhance their profile. Yeah, that's why I think, you know, uh, and Bramovich is which wish. He doesn't want the money, but he would like to, whatever profits go to help all those suffering in Ukraine. He didn't specify Ukrainians uh, and not Russians. He's Russian. So, in, you know, there's nearly 13,000 Russian soldiers have been killed um, uh, needlessly, you know, put, put, put into a war that they don't want either. Yes. There's very few people in Russia, I can imagine, want the war. You know, um, uh, Abramovich didn't want the war. Um, and uh, he didn't want the club to be affected by it. So his wish would be, yes, let it go to the right owner. I think that the government can see who would be the right owner anyway. Um, you know, you, you, you've got someone like Candy who, who fits the bill in, in, in his ability to be able to uh, redevelop Stamford Bridge or even move it to another site. You know, he has that expertise. Um, he would be the right person for that. And, he's, he, you know, he, he's a Chelsea fan. Um, so I, I think it would be going to the right owner there. Would you say then with Mr. Candy, because I, funny enough, I actually bumped into him in the Wise Suite where I was in yesterday. He was he was there with his entourage uh, having lunch and he seemed like a well-mannered man, well-spoken. I know he did an interview on Sky before the game as well and he was sort of not saying too much, but he was outlining a little bit of his plans about as you say, short-term loan to sort of give to the club, just if, if needed. But have you heard anything in regards to who's sort of the front runner 
to buy Chelsea? Is it Candy? Is it because of his links to the club? Well, I, th- I think it'd be Candy. It'd also be his ability to sort out the finances immediately. As, as we've seen with some of the other owners, my suspicion is, you know, their hedge funds and, and, and loans, and it'd be very, very similar to the Glazers. Uh, highly leveraged kind of financing, you know, you, you, even the richest people in the world don't have three million pounds in their back pocket to, to, to immediately drag out and pay for a football club. And I, and I think someone in the UK like Candy um, uh, would, would be better positioned um, to, to generate those kind of, kind of loans um, rather than, as the Glazers have done, uh, pay, pay them off endlessly, into the, most of it into their back pocket. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I see whichever way it goes, it will be leveraged. You know, people will be taking out loans. Um, it's, it's how they are paid off and how quickly they're paid off. And, and um, you know, um, so Abramovich has been there 19 years and he said after, after he arrived, uh, and you'll find that in one of my early books, he wants the club to be self-sufficient after five years. And 19 years later, he put in 1.5 billion pounds. You know, the, the club is 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 not run in a sustainable way. Um, far far too much is spent on far far too many players, and and they're, they're, the overload of players is that you know what, 80 players out on loan. Um, you know, it, it, it is a it's only a, a sustainable product because it was propped up by someone who had endless amounts of money and was pouring it in because it was his hobby and his love. Um, you know, anyway, the fact of the matter is um, you don't really need that kind of financing anymore in football. You know, uh, uh, as Liverpool have shown you, you know, you can win the Champions League, you can win the league, and they may very well win the league this year um, against a Manchester City uh, financial model, which is very similar to Bramovich's, which is endless amounts of cash available. You know, um, you need the best kind of coach, Jurgen Klopp, who gets the best out of the players, recruits the best players. You know, every, every player that seems to arrive there, um, if, they, if, they, if they're injured or difficult to settle in, you, you have to give them time. Some of them just hit the road running and are, are, are tremendous assets to the team. And some of the players coming through their youth system are just, you know, incredibly gifted. Um, and, and there at Chelsea, you have a decent manager. Um, Abramovich's model was what, you know, I don't know how many managers, 15 in, in his time. Yeah, there was quite a few, yes. Um, there was a lot. Revolving door there. But, you know, you, you, the, the model of Chelsea's um, football operations will now have to change dramatically. And do you think because of the change that pretty much will come, no matter who's going to be the next owner, there will be a change. Do you think that there will be a massive change in how Chelsea approach the transfer market, for example, so they won't perhaps maybe look at buying someone for £100 million or look at loaning 20 players out from their academy into Europe for the next, say, two to three years? Do you think the entire structure of the football club will need to change because, as you say, the amount of expenditure season in, season out is not, it's, it's not compatible to do all the time. Yeah, well, I say a need. I mean, it's going to change. It will change. It has to change. So there will be a different model. It'll be very much 
um, if anyone's got any sense, and, uh, and I'm sure Candy's stupid businessman, judging by what he's achieved so early in his life, um, there, there will be a more sustainable model. I mean, you know, you, you don't buy Lukaku having had, already had him and then sold him and bring him back for a hundred million pounds. I think they, owe, they still owe 79 million on him. Um, you know, um, if you've got any sense, they'd write that off and send him back. You know, he he he, um, he clearly didn't fit in to their style of the new manager. Um, uh, but, you know, he wasn't bought for the new manager or, or the previous manager. He, he was bought because he's available. And, and that was the model, you know, bring in the best player because they're available. That's not necessarily how they really fit in. Um so you really need a good manager, which they've got one. You need to listen to him. He needs to be the head of recruitment and the final say on recruitment. And to bring in, you know, decent young players. You know, Chelsea too often have bought in the ready-made player. It doesn't last very long, probably just as long as the manager lasts. Um, so uh, they've got some really good, talented young players. And they've loaned out some good players that are really playing exceptionally well at the moment. You know, the, the, the young guy in midfield at Crystal Palace. I mean, he can come back to Chelsea and walk straight into the team. There's no question about that. And um, that's what he should be doing. You know, they shouldn't be looking for just the, the next big thing in midfield and spending another £100 million. To bring in these kids that really are good uh, and stick with them. Uh, and because they've got so many good youngsters, I think that, that would be the first thing they need to do. Um, you know, you don't buy the championship just by splashing out all, all, all our money. And Jurgen Klopp has been saying that endlessly. I'm not paying those kind of huge figures. He bought two players a couple of years ago for, for big money, but they, they weren't, you know, 100 million pound players, but um, they were half of that amount, but two players in the positions they particularly needed. And, and he was astute enough to bring them in. Um, and they're young enough to be in there for a few years. Um, so, you know, that is going to be more of their recruitment model based on what Liverpool are doing. Because there'll be some supporters that are listening to this that will think that, oh, Chelsea are not spending big anymore. They're going to go down the similar road to Arsenal or Tottenham. Oh, we're not going to compete for major trophies. Do you think that with Chelsea, it's a little bit different because they've got the manager who's been there, sort of done it recently. He's got some decent core players still there. Is there, say, a, as you say, is, it, is there a need for Chelsea to keep spending, bearing in mind that the, the teams below them have got years to catch up to the likes of Liverpool and Man City and even Chelsea. So yeah. when sort of you hear fans worrying about, oh, well, this team's spent 60 million or 70 million on this guy. Man City have spent, or may, may spend, 100 million on Haaland. How can, you know, we need to compete? If Chelsea have got this change concept model, do you believe that with, as you say, with the right manager and the decent academy players coming through, that Chelsea can still compete? Or are we looking at Chelsea perhaps maybe? battling for Champions League positions or even staying in the Europa League rather than the top echelons of the Premier League? No, I, I think I think Chelsea would be exactly where they are because um, a different model doesn't necessarily mean a worse model. Yeah. So it's a fallacy to say, for example, a club like Spurs don't spend money in the transfer market. They were one of the biggest spenders, but I think, I think the, the fourth biggest spenders last season. Um, but it doesn't make any difference. But what the big difference is, 
it doesn't make a difference how much you spend. The big difference is if you buy a load of toot. Yeah, you know, it's, it's what you're spending it on. So, you know, um, that's why I'm saying you, you, you're wrong to look at the Arsenal Spurs model. You've got to look at the Liverpool model. And, and, and that's the way to go. Because you don't need to spend massive amounts. You need to find the right type of players. And, and um, I don't know, how much did Mo Salah cost? Oh, well, uh, to Liverpool, I think it must be about 30. 30 36 million. 36 million. So don't tell me you've got nearly four times a good player in Lukaku as you've got with, from Mo Salah. So you don't need to spend huge amounts. Now, and, and, and Haaland is really cheap, is really cost effective. He's got a buyout clause of 64 million. Um, I mean, in, in this day and age, I mean, that is relatively cheap for that kind of player. We're, we're, you know, the, the Harlands, the Canes, you're looking at £100 million plus. Um, uh, Coutinho cost £140 million. You know, um, these type of players uh, are that kind of value. It makes Harland look very cheap. The, the, the sticking point with, with Harland, of course, is how much you have to pay his agent. Uh, which, which he's a demanding a ludicrous amount of money, but you know, um, but that's another another issue. I mean, you know, where are the football authorities regulating agents uh, getting an obscene amount of money? Um, you know, the government are are recommending now uh, independent um, uh, organisations looking after football, and, and you really got to say that they're right. And it's probably come at the right time. It's always been the right time. It's more than the right time now. Because the, the FA are impotent. The Premier League are dominant. They do what they want. They're run by and owned by the football clubs. And if it doesn't suit them and their, their increasing wealth, nothing happens. So, you know, uh, an independent regulator for football has been much needed for a long time and now more so than ever. You cannot carry on with this bizarre... Um, um, test for new owners of football clubs in reality does not exist it has no teeth no one understands it and no one abides by it and if you did implement it they'd probably sue stopping you you know by buying a company which a football club is so you really need an independent regulator to get things into a position where you can actually vet new owners of football clubs um but uh no, Chelsea will be in rude health. I mean, they're world champions. They're current um, Champions League holders. They're, they're still in, in defending that trophy. Um, they fell short of, of the title here after a very good start, um, basically because they spent £100 million on a striker who just didn't fit in. Um, very much playing like Man City, really, without, without recognised centre-forward. I mean... Um, Harlem would be a phenomenal signing for them, but uh, I think they balked at spending that kind of money on uh, on agents' fees. Although they, well, what did they spend last year on agency? Thirty-six million pounds. <clears throat> but I think in this one deal, you'd have to pay the agent as much as that. Um, so look, they've got some brilliant young players. Um, their recruitment needs to be more on the Liverpool model, uh, and they could be as successful. I don't think it'd be more successful than bloody well, you know. 
champions of, of Europe and champions of the world. I mean, apart from being champions in their own country, which is um, still possible, they're, they're one of three or four teams that could possibly challenge next season. Um, and I say only one of three or four teams, probably only th- one of three teams that could challenge next season. But they will have a different recruitment model, not necessarily worse, but different. And it will, if it is to be different, it will need to take time to get used to because how Chelsea have been in the past when results haven't gone their way is immediately the manager leaves and the manager is sacked. How crucial is it, even with the new ownership potentially coming in for the next 12 months, how crucial is it that Tuchel stays? Because since about Thursday that there was a comment that made about, oh, Tuchel would be great for Man United. Well, since then, the newspapers have mentioned how crucial it is for the manager to be sort of the one to control the incomings players and everything. How crucial is it that Tuchel's there for the next 12 months while the ownership is changing? And do you think that, because there was reports that Manchester United are now linked with him because there was a few comments made on social media about how Tuchel would be suited at Manchester United. How Tuchel has done during this little crisis at Chelsea, how crucial it is for Chelsea to have him for the next year or so at least to see where things lie well they, they they have him under contract and i should imagine the new owners would extend that contract you know um alex ferguson never won anything in four years uh klopp never won anything for three over three years um it's not always about just delivering those trophies i mean abramovich uh, had a high bar for his managers you know you had to keep on winning um but I think um, football doesn't work like that, as, as we all know. And sometimes there's a little lapse. You don't have to win. Or you can't win all the time. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's crucial to keep a good manager. I mean, it, it, the only point of getting rid of the manager is if you can find someone better. Um, and, um, you know, for me, apart from Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, there's not a lot that's better. So, um why, why would you get rid of the manager? Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, it, it, it didn't make a lot of sense at certain points that Bramovich was getting rid of managers, but, you know, he, he set a, a, a high standard. Um, and that's not a bad thing, uh, and it certainly worked. You, you see the, the volume of trophies. Um, it, it certainly worked for him. But as, we, as we've been debating, you know, um, there's going to be a vastly different football model at, at Chelsea. It doesn't necessarily mean, because it's different, it's worse. And sort of looking back, and I'm remembering going through the chapters of your book of the Chelsea Revolution, that summer of 2003 where the the landscape of English football, not just less Chelsea, but English football changed where Chelsea were buying players left, right and centre. Do you think we'll ever get that again? Not necessarily at Chelsea, but I'm talking in regards to Newcastle as well with their wealth and other clubs. How one team dominated that transfer window. Do you think we'll ever get something like that again? I don't think we will, and I don't think there's any necessity for it. I mean, when he took over, he was throwing money in all directions. There were a number of players 
that didn't want to go there. And there's a number of players that don't want to go to Newcastle, no matter how much money you might be perceived to be there. It's not necessarily the place you want to be. Um, and some of the recruitment right at the beginning were, wasn't the right recruitment, but it was a, a desperation. You know, it was, uh, and Man City had it at, 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 at certain points, you know, on deadlines they were buying um, certain players that eventually fizzled out into nothing for huge amounts of money. Robinho was one of them. Um, and uh, their, their recruitment changed. You know, it has to change. It has to progress. You can't just throw money at it and expect it to work. As Chelsea found with Lukaku, you know, throw a hundred million pound and you've got a ready-made centre forward who's going to score 30 goals and you're going to win the league. No, it doesn't happen. So, um, you know, uh, it's going to change in a vastly different way. And, and, and a businessman like Handy, who's got uh, an affinity with a football club, is just going to let the um, experts get on with it, um, as Abramovich did. But he, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd liked to be part of that recruitment, and it's not really that necessary. Um, but, you know, he had a very hands-on um, attitude. He, he, he loved the football club. Um, he wanted that football club. Uh, and, and you've got to recall, and I've said this in the book uh, about him, that um, uh, there was so much suspicion about it was one of his little toys and he'd, he'd grow tired of it within a few years. And he, he liked um, basketball and he liked Formula One and he'd go off and buy one, but he never did. He stuck with Chelsea, and and in my view, he'd always wanted to pass it on to his son. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't, I think, purely as it might have been for the beginning. You never know um, to 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 show that he he, he uh, had an affinity with this country and wanted to invest in this country. Um, but I think he did have an affinity with this country and wanted to invest in this country. And I think a lot of all of that is now being twisted against him. Um, uh, I think the, the media have an agenda against him and you can understand why. It's a very popularist view. Um, it's, it's one that's even coloured the views of ardent Chelsea fans who, who, who thought, that, you know, the sun shone out wherever it might have shone. Um, it, it, it's colouring people's views and, and, and with every graphic picture you see from Ukraine, you can understand why. And because of that, should because there's a difference between should and will it should roman's legacy be tarnished because of what's happening in ukraine because of what he's done at chelsea the trophies that have come in the significant moments that have happened at chelsea within the last 19 years because of what's happening you know the awful scenes are in ukraine should his legacy be tarnished well, you know, um, just prior to his arrival, um, something very big happened at Chelsea anyway, in my view. Um, you know, he recruited Glenn Hodder as a manager. He recruited Rud Gullit and Mark Hughes and Dan Petrescu. Um, and suddenly you had a football team there full of world-class players. Um, Rud Gullit became a manager, first black manager ever to win a trophy in English football, delivered the FA Cup. Um, there, were, there was a big transition prior to his arrival but he took it on to a vastly different level um and no I, after 19 years of body to Chelsea I, I don't think it should I think it, it should all be looked in in 
in, in isolation. You know, what he did at Chelsea was what he did at Chelsea. What's happening now? You, 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 you can't defend the indefensible. You know, no one, uh, you know, Putin's a pariah because of what he's doing and anyone linked to him is, is paying the consequences. And, and um, that is it, full stop. There's no way around it. And just finally on this, in your expert opinion, with many years as a journalist and writer, do you think Chelsea will be fine for the next sort of few months at least? Because there's a lot of people thinking that Chelsea are going to go down in the mire. There'll be no money for <laughs> the wages. The credit cards are being still frozen. You think that there, there should be light at the end of the tunnel in the next couple of weeks for Chelsea? Well, just off the top of my head, I think Chelsea are 117 years old. That's right. And Abramovich uh, has owned it for 19 years. That's 16% of the club's history. And if you look through the club's history, unfortunately, I go way back. Um, there was a point where it was much closer going to the wall. Um, there were a couple of times it nearly went to the wall. Uh, Ken Bates rescued them. And then Abramovich rescued the club. Uh, and no one really knows how close it was to going to the wall then. But it was pretty close. So I don't think this is remotely anywhere near as close as that. I think there are um, people out there who are buying the club and it's being fast-tracked because, it, you know, it's not a, a prolonged, Mike Ashley, I want 20 pence more for this football club. Uh, it, it's it's the government calling the shots and they just want to offload it. They They... They can see football and this particular situation as nothing but grief. Um, and uh, the quicker they offload it, the better. And uh, that will happen very quickly. Well, I would like to end on a good note. And the one thing you did actually bring up that I have, didn't have on my notes, but I thought I'd like to ask you about it anyway. The FA Cup Final 97, can you believe it's 25 years ago this year? And obviously, as you've mentioned, Rude Hullet, somebody who you've spoken to and you know well, lifts the trophy for Chelsea. And Chelsea just go on to another level from that with bringing in players like Desailly and they form a partnership between him and Frank LeBeuf. As you say, Chelsea back then completely different to what it is now. But can you believe it's 25 years since that cup final? Uh, only now that you mentioned it, it does, <laughs> it does seem like only yesterday. <laughs> and it's 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 crazy to think that with the way Chelsea operated under Bates with Rude Hullet and you know bringing players like Gianluca Viali and these these players Viali scored in the Champions League final that that year in '96. As you say those sort of special memories for Chelsea provided by extraordinary people. Yeah, but all pre-Abramovich as well. Yeah. And, and you know, um, I, I still remember the teams back in the 60s and the 70s, and particularly in the 70s. I mean, what a phenomenal team that was. Um, and, and they were playing on mud heaps um, where, where a punch-up didn't even get you a yellow card. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you'd get a six-month suspension there for a punch, I think. But um, just last last little thing on in regards to uh, Chelsea. But I do want to sort of touch on the 97 uh, Cup team. When you sort of saw that and you saw Rude Hullet lift a trophy and with Bates sort of, uh, you know, 
smiling like Cheshire Cat because he's his team's won the cup final. Did you see at that point there was a good there was a, a change in the air with Chelsea and the fact that perhaps they might not have the finances or the history as Manchester United at that it, that period, but Chelsea were going to go on to another level with Ruud Hullet in charge. Obviously, there's a little bit of a change six months later, but to have that sort of in in your locker now was there sort of a, a, a notion that Chelsea have finally arrived? I'd I, I go back further than that. I'd go back to um, uh, Glenn Hoddle and Rick Gullett's first game, you know, against Everton at Stamford Bridge, for which I had the pleasure of watching from the press box. Um, I, I'd followed Rick Gullett's career uh, avidly, you know, um, been there in the European Championships, saw him walk out of, of the World Cup, um, uh, watched him many times for AC Milan, um, and of course, he was a World Football of the Year, captain of Holland, won the European Championship. And there he was playing for, playing for Chelsea. I mean, you could, couldn't believe it, really, because, I mean, they, I mean, and I think in that one game, he played sweeper, centre-half, then he went to central midfield, then he went out on the wing, then he played centre-forward. And um, it was hard to tell which was his best position. That's, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> Just can just remember it now, obviously, with the highlights and when Ruud Hullet scored his first goal, I think it was against uh, Southampton at home. Fantastic volley as well. It was just superb finish. But in regards to finishing, we'll, we'll wrap it up. But just one final sort of question to ask in regards to Roman. Just to summarise, do you believe Nick Candy will be the next owner of Chelsea Football Club? Well, you've seen all the candidates. I'd be amazed if he isn't the preferred one. Right. Well, Mr. Harris, you've been our preferred guest this week. I've 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 really appreciate you coming onto the show, and you know, f- thanks again for this week. And hopefully, we'll see you down the road sometime soon. No problem. Take care. <laughs> Podcast Network.